Hey, what's up guys? It's Rico from the Made in China podcast coming to you from the wonderful world of post-production. I just wanted to give you a heads up on this episode. Uh, first of all, if you've been listening to the podcast, you subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or all the various podcast apps out there, then thank you. Um, we've appreciated all the feedback we've gotten so far. It's been widely positive. And we're taking a request for... Um, episodes uh if you have any topics that you want us to cover or if you have any questions related to the topics that we've covered already just email us at info at sourcefindasia.com that's i-n-f-o at s-o-u-r-c-e-f-i-n-d-a-s-i-a.com or rico at sourcefindasia.com and um, just with this episode, it, it's a great episode. I actually interviewed one of my best friends who just happens to be a best-selling author as well. He was living in Saigon at the time um, doing the digital nomad thing. And now in in Chiang Mai in Thailand. And the sound quality wasn't the best. We had a couple issues with Skype, you know, China Internet, hashtag this is China, hashtag China problems. But uh, we figured it out, and it's not horrible. It's just not the level of quality that I've come to expect for my for myself, and that I want the the, the show to be known for. So, um, keep you know, bear with us and enjoy the episode. There's a ton of value in there. It's it's an interesting one. And uh, I don't yeah. want to be a product sure, of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. <laughs> Hey, what's up, everybody? It's another episode of the Made in China podcast. It's Rico speaking. And today I have one of my best friends who's also an entrepreneur, although he has, uh, he's doing something a little bit different from me. As you know, you know our company is Rose Find Asia, and we do more product development uh, on the ground, dealing with factories, physical product development, whereas my friend over here, his name is Norm Lightstone. He's more into content creation. He's got a blog. It's called Light Way of Thinking. It talks about self-improvement, relationships, business. And he recently released a book that was a bestseller on Amazon. That's uh, Mastery of the Mind. If you want to check it out. And uh, yeah, Noam, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Rico. Always good to chat with you. How's my intro? Professional. It was pretty good. It's pretty good. Y'all can't see uh, Rico right now, but is he's kind of having a bad hair day. Otherwise, I'd say he's super professional. This is, this is podcast. <laughs> I, could, I could be in my pajamas. I could be naked. It doesn't matter. Well, I didn't I mention that you were just, naked, but yeah, he's kind of naked right now. Just, just saying. Listen to my voice, okay? <laughs> by my voice. It sounds very professional. All right. So uh, what I wanted to do today is like, you know, I wanted to give people a different perspective on things that you could do in Asia in terms of business. Because, of course, we're going to focus more on, you know, manufacturing and uh, product development and stuff and crowdfunding and, and these kind of things whereas Noam's business is content creation so he literally could just be on a laptop in any single country in the world he doesn't have to be near a factory or anything like that so um, maybe you could just start off with what grew you to Asia and then specifically I guess you ended up going to Vietnam first <clears throat> Yeah, so um, originally I was living in Canada, in Toronto, just like Rico. And when you compare the cost of living in somewhere like Toronto and Canada versus Asia, the, the cost difference is nuts. 
but not only is the cost difference nuts for getting like the same quality, you can get a much higher quality of living in Asia for a much lower price compared to Canada. And there's a whole group of people taking advantage of this. Um, most people know them as digital, digital nomads, um, people who can work from their laptops and they travel the world doing this. Um, because, you know, I started thinking, I'm just writing stuff on a laptop. I, my business is all kind of e-commerce sort of online. So what's the point of me staying in Canada? I mean, I love Canada. There's a lot of good things about it. I love my friends, but a lot of my friends were moving to Asia. Um, there's a lot of opportunity in Asia, so why not move there? And um, for the whole online business sort of thing, not only sourcing e-commerce, content creation, um, there are a lot of hubs in different cities now. Um, and there are a few specifically in Asia, one being Saigon or Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, the other, for example, being Chiang Mai in Thailand. And uh, when I was moving, it was February of 2015. And um, Chiang Mai has a burning season where it becomes so polluted you need to wear a gas mask for three months. But I wanted to move right away, so I decided to move to Saigon. And I've been here for about half a year now, but I'm actually moving to Chiang Mai in a month. But uh, that's, that's kind of the summary of why to move to Asia. It's the cost of living, opportunity, and then the uh, people that are actually in specific cities in Asia. Yeah, I was thinking that, you know, when, when I was in Toronto, I used to talk to you guys about a lot. It's just how I was looking at people in China doing business, like people our age. And it just seems like things moved so much quicker over here. Uh, just in Southeast Asia in general, you know, it just seems like things were moving so much quicker. Yeah, I mean, actually, um, funny story is when I moved, was about to move to Saigon, Rico was telling me, you know, your life is going to move much faster. You think it's fast now? Wait till you get to Southeast Asia. And the amount of stuff that happens during the day, not only in terms of experiences like, um, you know, going to different restaurants and all this kind of stuff that you do in a different country, but the amount of stuff that happens in terms of business is is crazy. I don't think I'd be able to handle this amount of stuff uh, a year ago, but just in terms of the opportunity and all this type of stuff, it's absolutely ridiculous. Funny story is that I got an email from someone on the Fastlane forum. Uh, if anyone doesn't know the book Millionaire Fastlane by MJ DeMarco, I highly suggest checking it out. Um, but he was asking me, hey, Noam, um, how, how has your business grown since you've moved to Asia? Has it really helped you? Has it hurt you? Like, is it a good thing to do? And I'm going to record a video response from him being like, fuck yes, get your ass over to Asia right now. That's why I kept on telling, I told our buddy Ryan, I told a couple of other friends, just like, just come here, man. It doesn't matter if you have a solid idea, just just come here. Because once you're here, you will have a million and one ideas, and then you're going to meet people, and eventually you'll find your little niche or you'll find something to do. So it's just like, just just come here, just get here. That's, that's the main thing. Get here, keep in mind, you know, keep that entrepreneurship spirit in mind, and then, you know, tell people, network, and, and look out for cool ideas. You'll definitely find some. So, you know, um, it's just, it's kind of cool that, you know, a bunch of our friends are all coming down, and, you know, now Ryan's in Chiang Mai. You're going to be in Chiang Mai soon. Uh, so you just mentioned that your business has grown since you've been in Southeast Asia, how has it grown and uh, what do you think has been the main factors behind that? Well, before I came to Southeast Asia, I'd had no money coming in. It was like a blog and I was writing the book, but I hadn't released it. So once I got to 
Southeast Asia, there are a bunch of things I had to do. One is I had to find a place. Two is I had to find a part-time job to work alongside my blog. And the other thing I wanted to do is release the book. And all this was happening at once in the midst of doing a huge international move and like ending a relationship at the time. So there was all this stuff to juggle. Plus, I, uh, I actually talked to Tim and Nick at the Elevator Life and they were saying, you know, come with 3 or 4K just to float you. And by that time, you should be able to find a job or something. But it was definitely stressful because I was running out of money. But um, I found a place. And then the next thing I started doing in the midst of trying to find jobs, and I guess I can talk about the job situation after, was publishing my book. So my book was pretty much all written. And then I sent to motion getting it on Amazon, doing some uh, publicity for it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it was like to actually get it pushed out was one week of something like 12 to 14 hour days, but it was totally worth it. Um, because in my mind, I had said, okay, even if I sell one to two copies of this book, I've, I've released something, I've gone it out, like just that one to two copies, that's all I really want. And the, the, the book like exploded past my expectations um, and I'm, I'm really happy about it. And now I'm turning the book into a course. But in terms of what actually pushed the business, I guess just being here and then, you know, talking to more entrepreneurs kind of just set it in my mind. And I started really thinking like, I can't work for someone for the rest of my life. I really want to take this seriously. I really want to make this work. Um, because two years ago I started just as, uh, like a project I'd work on here and there kind of just for fun. But then I was like, no, I'm getting more emails about how this helps people. I'm getting more interested. I have all these ideas I want to write and I want to do my own thing. So it was just the combination of seeing the book succeed. So I knew I could, I had, I had factual proof that people would pay for what I was talking about and were interested and valued it. And also the burning passion inside to actually push forward and do it. Those two things together kind of combined and, and hit the business. For sure. And I think another thing would be that, you know, if you were doing the same thing in Canada, you would have to deal with a lot of expenses. So most likely you'd have to have a full-time job just to live. And then you would be, you know, working after work on your business. Whereas here, you know, if you're working 20 hours a week earning 20 bucks an hour, you know, you can spend the rest of your time on your business. And eventually, you know, like for me, what's happened is like initially I was working full time teaching and then I cut back and I started working on my business. I wasn't making any money. Then I started making money from the business and I'm cutting back slowly. And like now I'm down to like maybe, I don't know, 10 hours a week teaching. And for me at this stage, it's just fun. But that's the point is that if you were in another country where the cost of living is more expensive, you would not have the luxury of working 20 hours a week, have to work 40 hours a week just to live. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like for me, uh, my plan was to move here and do teaching English like a lot of uh, expats do, but on the side still do my blog. I had no interest in doing a full-time teaching English job because I was very focused on getting the business going. Now, I went for some interviews and I was really disappointed because... Um, for example, Rico's English teaching is, is business-focused. He gets to do a lot of creativity in terms of what he teaches, and it sounds really fun. But the jobs that I saw were kind of like babysitting. It didn't seem that good. I When I went for these interviews, I just didn't feel right. I didn't feel like I actually wanted it. And through a friend of a friend, I met someone 
was doing drop shipping in Australia and he was like, oh, you know, what do you do? And I showed him my site and he's like, oh, you're a writer. Oh, cool. And I did like kind of a test uh, post for him. And now what I do is a lot of kind of like brand management and writing, uh, hiring to, well, originally it was to like totally recreate an entire new website, like an entire backend of the database and all this kind of stuff. And I'm still working for him and I'm very grateful for the job and it's, it's pretty cool working for your friend. Um, so I do that part time and now I'm kind of trying to decrease my hours because I was doing kind of like four days of that, two days of my blog. Uh, it was kind of stressful though cause I need the money, but now I want to decrease my hours. So I'm going to be doing like three, three days at, um, drop shipping, three days at the blog, uh, but working less hours to have more time to kind of breathe, relax and, and kind of think, but, uh, definitely having that combination works and you don't need a lot of money to live here and live well so for me like I was living in a three-bedroom condo with a pool and a gym and all this type of stuff um, I wasn't eating out too much but I was eating out like a few times a week I got to go out on the weekend going clubbing I take taxis everywhere to get around um, you know I can still uh, you know buy clothes or whatever and I got to go on like a huge one-month vacation around Asia with all the money I saved up and, you know, that cost is something like 1000 to 1200 USD a month, which is ridiculous for what you'd be paying back in Canada or the U.S. So two things. Like, do you think, do you think the fact that, you know, you remove yourself from your comfort zone and your friends and family and then you go to Southeast Asia creates a situation where you're more focused because you don't have as many distractions? And then the second one was... Uh, Second. second one was like I was going to make an observation that you know me and you kind of were doing similar things in terms of drop shipping, but that's like a longer conversation. You can answer the first question. Yeah, so <clears throat> you know, I I would say removing yourself from the comfort zone and distractions. I think it would just be like if you if you put yourself in a situation where you're running out of time, you've got to make shit work. Something will have to happen. You'll probably go through a lot of stress to do it, which I did, but like. If you have a limited amount of money, you have to get something going. You'll figure out something because you have to. Otherwise, you're going to go broken and be fucked up, right? So mm -hmm. if you move yourself from Canada, which is quote-unquote comfortable, and you know people there, you plop yourself into um, Guangzhou or, or Saigon, you can use forms and, and materials to meet people, but you're going to have to make a new circle of friends. You're going to have to find connections. You're going to have to learn where everything is. You're going to have to find a way to make money. So you get laser focused, I think, because you have to survive, right? Like your, your kind of flight or fight response is going to kick in and most people don't really want to go home. So you're going you're gonna to get focused for sure because you have to. Yeah, for sure. I, <clears throat> putting yourself in that, you know, giving yourself like a, a challenge or putting yourself in that desperate channel, you're running out of time. And I think as well, you know, the, uh, one thing that affected me I don't know how much it affected you, but when I was leaving Canada, I was telling people, they asked me, well, why the fuck are you going to China? And I'm like, business, I want to start a business. And, I, you know, like I was honest with people. It's not like I was showing off or anything like that. But then, and then when I came here, people asked me, why are you here? And then I would say the same thing, right? And it goes to like four or five months later. And, you know, I had a couple failed ideas. And then I started feel pressure you know, I started to feel there's people asking me what are you doing or you know how's your business or something like that and really it's non-existent so 
there's one aspect of me really be feeling passionate about what I was doing and really trying to work hard. And there's another aspect of a little bit of pressure because I've told people what I want to do. So if they keep on asking me every few months and I'm not really doing anything, then, you know, kind of, I couldn't reconcile my image with what I was actually doing. You know? Yeah, I guess it's kind of like a bit of accountability because if you tell people you're going to do something, you're not, it's not like an accountability partner or setting a specific deadline, but if you don't do something, you're like, well, fuck, like I told all these people I was doing something and I'm not doing anything. I didn't really tell people I was specifically going to build a business. I just said, like, it's cheaper to live there and I want to do something, so I'm just going to move there. Like, I think it's the right decision sort of thing. But I definitely, I think I had this thing in my mind. Like, if I went to Vietnam and I didn't make money or I didn't succeed and I didn't get something going, I'd, I'd probably feel bad because I, I came here for a specific reason. Like, um, Rico and I talked about how, you know, you know, there are different types of expats in Southeast Asia. Some people come here to teach English and just party. Some people come to teach English and explore. Some people come to build a business. Some people have some money saved up and they just want to travel. But me and Rico came specifically to come here because it's cheaper to live and, yeah, have a good time. But mostly the main focus is to build a business and, and to be successful, right? All right. So speaking of which... Some people come to Asia for different reasons. How have you have you met a lot of expats who were there for other reasons? And if that's the case, how have you sort of avoided getting distracted? So for for me, for example, I've met a ton of English teachers since I've been in China. Just a ton of expats in general, and like you know, English teachers maybe just are taking a year off of school. Some people just have no plan. Some people just want to fuck around for a couple of years because they've been working their whole lives. Uh, you know, then you have like models and you know these like Russian models and stuff like that who maybe don't have much going on in their their countries, but like they have a lot of free time and they go out like three or four times a week and and you know they travel around China a lot. So you know, I've had to say no a lot. I've had to put myself in situations where I'm avoiding doing things because I know I'll just get distracted. So I was going to ask you the same thing. What's your experience with that? Yeah, so I don't know if it's been the smartest decision, but it's been in my mind. I don't value knowing like 50 or 100 people. And when I came here, I used a form to find um, some people here. But I would prefer local friends or local friends who speak English compared to tons of expat friends because local friends will help you kind of get a better experience and, and see more of the city compared to expats who kind of stick to expat clubs usually. That's what I find. Um, so most of my friends are locals or expats who've been here a while and are like really in tune with the local people. Um, of course, I've I met like a few people who are digital nomads and some people from Dynamite Circle and that sort of thing. Um, but it hasn't been like... Actually, there's been a lot of times where I've had to say no because because of uh, work, especially before the trip I just came back from where I was working many hours and it was pretty stressful. But I, it, it's just prioritizing because I knew, I knew there was stuff I wanted to focus on that was more important. And down the line, if I got it successful, I would be much happier. I'd say, okay, I still do have... I still had free time when I was super busy working six days a week like I was doing before with like not many breaks. 
I still had time to go on dates. I still had time to go out with my friends on the weekend. I still had time to go to the gym, but I just didn't have as much time as another person would if they were just working nine to five sort of thing. But because I value building something that gives me freedom, um, so freedom to set my own hours and freedom to be my own boss 100% versus working for someone else, it, it, like I've always been able to kind of go back to that. But at the same time, there have been times where I've been kind of disappointed that I can't go out as much, but I just I accept the sacrifice because I'd rather get the uh, the business going. For me, I think I mean one of the main ones was the fact that when I first moved to Guangzhou, I was living sort of uh, not on the outskirts, but I was living like uh, like twenty minutes outside of the, the central district. Right? Yeah, and you so, also you also got your parting out of your system for two months too. Yeah, but <laughs> not really. Like I was gonna say something. I was gonna. I was going to explain it better. Like, I partied for, like, a month, really, my first month. Then, okay, so one thing was I, I was living 20 minutes away from downtown, which is which is wasn't necessarily my choice. It was also a financial decision. But I was going to say I did my fair share of partying when I was in Canada, you know. So, like, when I got here, I already had, like, an idea. Oh, it's my food. <laughs> I'll be back one second. Okay. So, so unprofessional. So unprofessional. Hey, man, I ordered food because of you. I ordered food if you don't go to eat lunch. Um, anyways, so uh, as I was saying, like I, I did my first share of partying when I was in when I was in Canada, and uh, and also like having this goal in the back of my mind, having like a, a really set goal as to what I want to do, and then keeping a long term view over a short term view. Mm-hmm. So for me, like the first month, I. Part- almost purely because I needed to meet people and I needed to establish relationships and I didn't have a job so I had you know I had a lot of time on my hands so that was kind of like a more strategic decision it was fun as well once I got that out of my system it was like okay let's you know let's focus on getting a job let's focus on starting to network and, and get this business going and you know, in those situations, I had to say I had to start saying no a lot when people were inviting me to things, and and that was also keeping that long term goal in my mind, long term view in my mind. Whereas short term would be like, okay, I can go out and have fun tonight. Long term would be if I can tonight, then I can work tomorrow. Uh, I can you know put in an extra three four hours after my nine to five job. Yeah, you know, as Rico and I say, we're the only ones who strategize when we go out if we need a break, and also if we can work the next morning because we'll be hungover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was like, and again, short term would be, you know, my friends were like, hey, man, you know, it's been a while. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm probably missing out on some experiences and I'm probably not making new friends and stuff. But long term would be in a couple of years when I am in a position where I have more time and I have money, I'll make a ton of new friends and I'll be able to see, I'll be able to fly out to see you guys in whatever country you're in. So it was like just keeping that long-term view i think is 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 the really really factor in, in terms of not me getting me not getting distracted yeah it's just like it's the same thing i said it's like keeping the long-term goal in mind because when i got here i i kind of was having fun for like a week but then sort of reality set in so i couldn't party as much um but like yeah it, it's funny because you know we, we're always so affected by stuff in the short term like we think, uh, you know, not going after like one girl is a big deal or not like going to one party. It's a big deal in the moment because you do feel bad. But then 
in the long run, it's, it's not really a huge deal. There's going to be tons of time for partying, tons of time for girls, tons of time for stuff. But the thing is, you sacrifice building something, say a business, um, with the time you give up to do the other stuff. And I, I'm one because I, I go through periods of burnout where you definitely need balance for sure. But at the same time, it's just like if you can not drink and be awake the next morning, it's worth it. Actually, for example, this past Wednesday, I went for shisha with my friends, which is awesome. But, you know, they all ordered like wine and they're having like multiple glasses. And I, I drank like fucking lemonade and water. And they're like, why aren't you drinking? I'm like, well, I want to be awake in the morning. Like I wake up at seven. It's because I value like waking up like and like getting my fucking writing done and doing my reading and all this stuff versus being hungover. It's just it's just who I am. On the weekend though, fuck it, it doesn't matter. But uh, <laughs> during the week, I I would rather get up early and I'm awake and I'm ready to go. Yeah, I mean it's like that. Uh, there's there's a book that I still need to of, but you know one of my friends, our friend Max had had talked about it. And he's like, you can only focus on three things. Mm-hmm. You can only focus on two out of three things in your life. There's business. There's wealth, there's health, and there's relationships. So you can only focus on two of those at a time. If you're focusing on health and wealth, which would be, you know, gym, eating well, and, and working on your business, trying to make money, then your relationships are going to falter. If you're going to focus on your relationships and business, then chances are you will not have time to necessarily eat healthy and, and work out and stuff. So you, you kind of have to you know pick two and focus on them. And for sure, for me right now, it's more... Uh, wealth and and health than it is relationships, uh, and I think you know being in that position, you do have to you have to sacrifice you have to sacrifice trips, you have to sacrifice you know trips. People like uh, a girl just invited me yesterday. She was like, next week we're going to this town. Do you want to come with me? And I'm like, it would it would be an amazing trip. I have not been to that town. It wouldn't even be that expensive, but I just know I cannot take three days off of my business. You know. Yeah, I can if I want it. If I want to, I can. But it just doesn't make sense. I'm missing out on a lot of stuff that I have to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's tough. But you have to. You have to stick to it. So then, uh, you know, you you were doing drop shipping, which for me because we have a similar personality. And then we were also doing similar things. Right. Like how can Mike? Can you uh, repeat that? Because you just cut out on Skype. I cut off. I was saying. You were doing drop shipping, mm-hmm. right? Which is funny because me and you have similar personalities, and then we actually started doing similar work, right? Because you know, I met Mike obviously through Enter China, but some of the first things I started doing with him was you know website development, and then of course drop shipping and and sourcing are, are fairly similar just in, in in scope. So, can you talk a little bit more about the drop shipping company that you work for? Yeah. Um... I don't want to say the name just just in case, like, I'm not sure if I, I should. But, you know, it's an Australian uh, dropshipping company. It does uh, camping equipment, so, like, uh, camper vans, 4x4s, batteries, solar panels, stuff like that. Um, and it's nice because it's it's a really tiny company. Not as tiny as a, as a SFA, but it's, like, I think it's, like, 10 people, maybe less. Um, excluding like out, like kind of like uh, freelancers and stuff. And um, what else do you want me to mention about it? Oh, just talk about what you've done, what your experiences were. Well, what do you actually do? Yeah. More in detail. So I like 
again, like uh, I was saying before, the first thing I did was write like a test article, kind of like an SEO-based article, because that's what I thought I'd be doing, which honestly wouldn't have been that fun. But what happened is uh, my, my boss slash friend had, this, had a separate brand um, from the dropshipping company that he wanted to totally redesign and redevelop. So he's like, here's the website. It sucks. I want you to totally redesign it. I need new product descriptions for it. I need you to do all the graphic design, kind of like hire people to do it. I need you to organize this, and this is your project. So it was an entire brand kind of web design thing. So um, like I had to coordinate a 99 designs campaign. I had to hire people to do graphic design programming of the website and stuff like that. I had to learn an entire new backend um, system. So like there's WordPress and, and other stuff. This is based in Nido, which is a big uh, e-commerce uh, backend in Australia, especially. Um, and then rewriting all these different product descriptions. So a lot of copywriting and uh, stuff like that um, for these different products. So all that together. And then a lot of it was also project management, obviously, because I had to make sure that everything's getting done because it was supposed to be done by a specific time, coordination, working with um, people doing the Neato backend. So yeah, it's uh, like an entrepreneur, like wearing a lot of different hats, which is what I like doing. I like using specific skills but if I just do one thing all the time, I get really, really fucking bored. Have there been any skills that you've learned from this job that you've been able to transfer into your business? Absolutely. Um, so more experience in project management is always good, though I've always been good at organization. Um, just coming from my background, because like, I actually have a master's degree in engineering, and I had to do a lot of organization to write a thesis. But the main thing that I got to do was play around with outsourcing and freelancers because I had never done that before and I knew it was something I wanted to do and get into in the business and I knew I had to, but I'm very bad at letting go of control. So here I was able to, you know, like I was, I was again, another thing I'm grateful for is I was told you can hire X and Y and Z people um, and like there's no real limit on salary though I had a guideline and I got to play around with, you know, uh, what's the best way to tell people what to do? What information do I have to give them? When do I fire someone? When do I need to uh, rehire someone? What's an okay pay range? How do people, how do outsourcing people work? What are good companies to outsource? And with that little sandbox thing, I took a big step for me and hired my first freelancer or outsourcer who does a lot, who does stuff with my blog articles and SEO. And she's really great. Um, and it doesn't cost too much money to have her around, and she saves me a lot of stress and time because I, I hate doing SEO stuff. Um, and so I, I look forward to kind of you know outsourcing other parts of my business too as time goes on. But that was huge. And the other thing is just um, I was practically I wasn't really running the business, but I had to take care of a lot of stuff. And just having that experience is teaching me kind of how to separate things in your mind and stay focused while kind of juggling all these balls in the air because I don't, like, I thought in Toronto when I was doing my master's degree, I had a lot going on because I'm like, oh, man, I have my thesis. I have to go to the gym. I want to, like, hang out with girls. I want to hang out with my friends. I want to talk to my family, all this type of stuff you do in life. But when you get into entrepreneurship and running a business, you don't even understand how much stuff you're going to be doing because, now you have all that life stuff, but as a CEO or a co-CEO or someone who's trying to run a business, 
you have to juggle so much stuff in the air, it's kind of nuts. So just having that experience, like that, I think is invaluable as well. Fuck you! You, you let me be going a tangent. There was a question. <laughs> you, you talked about you know having to juggle a lot of stuff. Okay, I'm just gonna say this really quickly and see if I can bring it back. Uh, so when you're talking about specifically when you're in a small, in a small company, so like right now, I would consider Swiss Find Asia a startup, even though it's five years old. We've kind of completely restarted the business. Um, uh, like I have to when I, if I work in a nine to five. A lot of the sort of administration stuff is 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 handled by somebody else, right? Like a lot of the administrative, like whether it's uh, creating an invoice or um, maybe creating even a proposal, processing payments, you know, these kind of things, like small things like that that seem, you know, administrative. It takes a lot of time, man. Like in a day, I probably spend four or five hours doing administrative shit that I probably have to do if I was working in another business so like and then on top of that I have to do all these other things because you know I'm a manager I'm the accountant of sorts and then I'm also the sales guy so when you, when you're starting your business you as an entrepreneur you it's not just the idea it's not just the process of implementing your products and all that stuff it's everything you are you know doing administration you're doing selling you're doing accounting you're doing marketing and all that stuff so in a day you probably spend, whereas you probably could work eight hours in a nine-to-five in your business, you probably end up working in 12. You know, that's what kind of what happens to me. But, yeah, that was the, the tangent. I was going to, the question I was going to ask based on what you said before was, do you think you would have been able to get this kind of job if you were in Canada? Um, yes and no. And why I say that is, if you're in Canada, like there's there's tons of entrepreneurs everywhere, right? They're all over the world, and Toronto does have a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship support. Um, the thing is that because there's a, a kind of like clusters of them, specifically digital nomad-based entrepreneurs, for example, in Saigon and Chiang Mai, it, it's just like it's a better chance of getting it, right? Because yeah, you can apply online to do stuff and there's there's systems and, and different ways you can get in touch with people. The best way to get in touch with people, though, is in person. Like, I've always believed and I've gone on a lot of my jobs in the past based on references and, and, and stuff like that. Like, even when I was in engineering, I got the best job I ever had. Like, it was so much fun, great people, a really big company led to a patent and stuff like that. Because I used the, um, like, it was a professor I worked for, and then the co-op office, the coordinator there, sent letters and called the company and said, hey, do you want to hire this kid? Like, he's just finishing undergrad, and he's looking for work uh, before he goes to grad school, which was awesome. And the way I got this dropshipping job is my best friend here introduced me to his friend, and that friend's boyfriend was from Australia, and he's like, and that's how we just started the conversation, just through meeting. Uh, it's just a better chance that you'll find people if you're in, um, well, if you're, a, if you're looking for digital nomad stuff, like online e-commerce content creation, then being in Saigon and Chiang Mai is better. If you're looking to do sourcing, obviously, then go to China and stuff. But you're just going to find the people who are there because they're living there. Like, there are hubs of them. That's the point. Looking to do product development don't say come to China. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's like there are reasons why there are, there are like, um, what do you call them, co-working spaces and hubs of these people because you're trying to get 
uh, a lot of these people together so you can not only collaborate but you can work for each other and you can help each other out right so it's just a better chance like put yourself where you're going to have the most opportunity or the the best um best chances right so might as well go to asia yeah simply like put yourself where you're going to have the most opportunities and most chances the thing is like when you're in canada <clears throat> while there are a ton of entrepreneurs there's just also a ton of people who are almost exactly like you mm-hmm. right um, I mean not necessarily the same like the personalities are the same but if you look at a dude's resume they might be in people who study business administration you know in Toronto so you know to get a job like a, a, a cool job that allows you to be flexible or pays you slightly more than you know the average person it's going to be difficult it's highly competitive whereas if you come to China or Southeast Asia in general, you are now sort of a commodity, right? There's not that many people like you. So if, I'm, if I've got a business and I'm looking to get somebody who understands sort of Western business and speaks English and has these skills, there are not going to be as many people around like that. And, you know, just through networking, you're, most like, you're more likely to get a job that is more flexible and you're more likely to have those kind of opportunities. Um, Let's talk a little bit about resources, man. Because I actually, I just had a conversation. When I say resources, I mean, obviously things that we've used, tools that we've used, but I mean also just different ways you can come to Asia, different businesses that you, you, you know about through you know, the forums, through the books that we read, podcasts that we listen to. Um, so, like, I just had a conversation with this guy. Um, actually, he's my buddy. His name and he just successfully raised, I think it was over $80,000 on Indiegogo for his watch campaign. He was asking for 20000 And, uh, you know, he raised, I think it was like he raised 100% of his goal within a week, 300% within like 10 days. Like it was crazy. So uh, we were just, the how he came to China is that he reached out to Tim and Nick from Enter China with Elevator Life. And he said to them, guys, you know, like I'm, you know, I've done marketing. That's my, my, uh, my day. And I think I could help you a lot with your business, specifically running your website and, and just sort of managing marketing stuff. And they said, yeah, sure, we'll pay you X amount, amount not a ton of money, but we'll pay you enough to live. And uh, that was just a different way for him to come to China. Like the whole reason why he did that was so that he could be here, still make some sort of income, and then work on his watch campaign, which of course is now successful. So, you know, there's, you can do that. You can, you know, find a teaching job before you come here. You can come here and find a teaching job. You can do what you do and come there and find, uh, start working for an actual company. Um, so just in terms of like, when I say resources, what are resources that you think are very, very valuable for somebody who wants to come to Southeast Asia or start maybe even a, a digital nomad type uh, career? Yeah, so um, one big thing is, I read this actually after I came to Asia, is there's this concept of free work, quote-unquote, and it's by a guy of the name Charlie Hone. He published this book, but pretty much the, the basis, it's not even a book, it's like 20 pages, but the basis is that you have all these companies out there, right? Um, and a lot of times people work for them, they're not really passionate about them, but they'll find these people working online, or doing something they're really passionate about, or even other companies in other countries that they're passionate about, they just don't know how to get in. But the thing is, like, if you offer someone the chance to do free work for them, like, you're like, I will 
100% work for you for free just because I love what you're doing, they're not going to say no because, I mean, it's just like free stuff, right? And the thing is, mm -hmm. if you screw up or don't do something the best way they, they want to, they're like, well, you know, you're doing it for free. So, I mean, it's not that big of a deal, right? Um, and he talks about the process of turning that into a paid job. So it's like, if you do amazing work for them, they're probably going to want to keep you around, right? So just that concept of reaching out to people, saying you'll do stuff for free, and then trying to turn into a paid position is is a good strategy, I think. Um, and I've been surprised, actually, because, again, you know, I was talking about the guy who emailed me about coming to Southeast Asia. If you reach out to someone and you're honest and you actually put thought into what you're writing, most likely they'll respond. It's like when I had questions about moving to Asia, Tim and Nick responded. I emailed Mark Manson and he responded. Um, so as long as you, you know, you're not trying to take away too much stuff, they'll, they'll probably help you out. Um, oh man, there's so much stuff I could talk about. Yeah, that's maybe the, that's maybe, yeah, that's, that's why I brought up the topic. I, the, the, like, do you want that's me, cause like, do you want me to talk about travel hacking? Do you want me to talk about like different ways you can work as a digital nomad or just good I books? Think, I think, I think just if I, I, I'm, I want it to be something where if I'm, in Canada, the States, England, and I'm thinking, how do I go to China? Like, how do I go to Vietnam? What are my options? You mm. know? That's what I'm thinking. Like, the, just the really basic okay, okay. stuff. Yeah. But I was going to say, um, what was I, gonna say? I, say, I think that's the biggest thing with people's when they reach out to you asking for questions or help or advice is a lot of times people are just sucking value. You know, they're not giving any value. They're just sucking value from you. And you know, I, to a certain extent, like I, most people want to be helpful. So if you ask, if you contact a Tim or a Nick or Tim Ferriss or whoever, and you say, hey, man, I'm a big fan of your blog. You, you helped me out with X, Y, and Z. I had a question about this. Can you help me out? You know, I'm sure they'll probably get to it at some stage. You know, most people will. However, if then they reply to you and then afterwards you start asking them a, a bunch of other questions, I think then you're sort of overstepping. So... Uh, like I, an example I'll give you is recently I had this lady contact me. I was just thinking so, about that. I was thinking about that story. Yeah, and you know, I, I she she sent me an email saying, "Hey, I want to get into sourcing, but unfortunately, English is not my first language, and you know, I I find that foreign companies or foreigners don't really trust me because of this, this and that. How do I build up my credibility?" So I, I responded to her and I gave her a very very detailed answer like I took an hour to think about what she said and I wrote a very very detailed answer and then I asked her some questions which I thought were very important questions to ask and she responded saying thank you but then she didn't answer my questions and then she just asked me to give her like a bunch of other documents which are like <laughs> company okay she was asking me to give her templates of, of uh, sourcing reports and templates of proposals and stuff and I, my, my opinion was like, first of all, I asked you questions that if you answered, I would be able to help you further. So clearly you didn't really read my email that much. And then, then she was just trying to get more value from me. So then I didn't, I just didn't, I didn't reply to her. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just like in one hand, I wanted to help her, but on the other hand, I felt like she was asking too much. Yeah. It's me. like taking too much of your time. But like going back to what you said about uh, resources. Um, so I'll just list them out. So the free work thing by Charlie Hone would be one thing. Second thing is looking into travel hacking if you want to just get over to Asia for cheap. Third thing is just thinking about trying to negotiate remote work agreements with a company or having them transfer you over to 
a different country because if you're just doing laptop work, for example, maybe you can just get, get transferred to another country and that'd be cool. Um, then when it comes to actually building businesses and stuff, books that I'd recommend for our work week is like the penultimate book that gets recommended for various reasons. Um, same with Millionaire Fastlane, I think is very important uh, by MJ DeMarco. And in terms of like the traveling mindset, um, I, I like it's not as related to business, but the book Vagabonding by Rolf Potts or Plots, I forget his name, but that kind of sets in your mind kind of a different style of traveling. So kind of taking it um, more slow and, and kind of enjoying what's going on. I think that's also a, a great book to read. Um, and then when it comes to resources like podcasts and, and forums and stuff, um, there's the Dynamite Circle, which is a highly recommended uh, digital nomad support group with people all over the world. Tropical there's MBA. Tropical MBA is another podcast, which is really good. Like Tropical MBA owns Dynamite Circle. It's the same thing. Um, the Sean Ogle, Location 180, is very big. And Sean Ogle has his own kind of forum community called uh, Location Rebel. Um, that's a big one, too. Um, and then there's like other podcasts that I think are just good, like Tim Ferriss and, and Joe Rogan, um, stuff like that. I think going back to um, the Tropical NBA thing, I wanted to make a point in saying <clears throat> you need to start listening to podcasts that are about what you want to do. I'm sure a lot of people are doing that already, but specifically, like for example, Tropical NBA, recently they, they've done this many times, but recently they, they had an episode where they posted up um, a job. They were like they offered a job. To yeah, them. yeah, so yeah. They, and they've done that a few times, know, actually. Yeah, they've done that quite a lot of times. You know, they they offer a job, and then if you contact them and you send them your resume, and you know, you don't have to be like, you don't have to be the most qualified person in the world. They just want to look for somebody who's capable and who's interested and passionate, and is actually like a fan of the business, a fan of the show. So, like, I'm sure Tropic NBA is not the only podcast that does that. You know, I'm sure mm -hmm. maybe even. You know, uh, Sean Ogle posts probably jobs on his website from time to time. And if you if you in that circle, if you're in that mindset, listening to these podcasts, then maybe something might come up that's more suitable for you, and that might be the way you end up in in, in Asia. Yeah, it's um, also going to change your brain so that you start thinking in terms of that. Because again, if the average of the people you surround yourself is like you know the five people you surround yourself with are your average, if you can't surround yourself with entrepreneurs, like hopefully you start going to entrepreneurship meetups. But if you're getting these messages of entrepreneurship and how you can get there and stuff in your system, you start believing it's possible, right? And then it's going to kind of push you to get over to certain places, right? Yeah, and I think another thing that people don't really take advantage of is forums. You know, I think that's one of those things that people don't really... I think when people think of a forum, they think of like some forum about like, I don't know, Pokemon or, <laughs> you know, Worlds of Warcraft where it's a bunch of... No, or like Reddit or something like that. It's just like I waste my time on it on something, right? You know, it's just like wasting your time talking about random shit that doesn't really matter. But then there's actual forums, there's travel forums, there's a Rushri forum. Rushri forum might be a little bit off-putting for some people, but they have a travel section. Which yeah, and like Millionaire Fastlane has like a very good forum, actually. Um, fuck, what other forums? Like... If you if you pay, you can get Dynamite Circle and Location Rebel forums, but you need to pay for access to them. Same with Enter China, yeah. right? Enter China as a forum. Um, so I like like for example the Rushri Travel Forum. Rushri Travel Forum is almost 
75% responsible for why I'm here, you know. And there's just a lot of resources there. Like, I, I've talked to one of our friends. Um, I don't know if I should say his name. No, nah, it's okay. I think it'll be fine. His name is Matt, and he's got a uh, marketing company, social media marketing company. And part of the reason why he went into his business, which is now successful, is because of forums. Like, he was reading up forums, and he, he found a link that took him to another website, took him to another website, and then next thing you know, He's like adopting this whole business model, right? And it becomes uh, now making $5,000 a month profit, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like there are many resources that people don't use. And, and I think, for example, like I said, forums and, and putting yourself around people. Networking, I know most people know about networking, but just networking is, it works. It's important. It's not just going there to socialize or going there to just talk about business. It's also going there to get ideas and going there to meet people who have maybe done what you want to do. Uh, and most people, when you go networking, most people are pretty friendly. Like when I was leaving, I went networking and I was talking about doing stuff in China. And really it's my fault because I didn't follow up with a lot of people. But a lot of people were like, hey, man, when you get there, I would love to have you do some stuff for me because we don't know anybody in China. So like those kind of resources, I think, are, are very important. Should I think if there's another book that you didn't mention? In terms of business, the Four Hour Workweek and Million Fastlane are like I think the two penultimate ones. Maybe decisive. Decisive, like I would, I like because of I'm kind of not very decisive, so I like that book. But well, I think most people aren't. You know, most people have problems making decisions. I think. Yeah, actually, let me just check because I like the last podcast I did. I wrote like I had an entire list of books. I just want to see. If I read this and I come up with another something else that people should read, just one sec. Um, no, those are definitely like the three or four books that I think are really on my mind. Yeah, same. I'm also looking at my my book club, but I think those are the those are the main ones that I think would be related to this topic, related mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. you know travel and stuff like that. Also, there's also um, the Lean Startup. By Eric Rice. Oh yeah, Reese. I don't know if I said his name properly, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's another thing that I was going to say is um, something that I did mention before. If you're starting a business in Southeast Asia, or if you're starting a business like you have, uh, starting a business where it doesn't take that much capital, initial startup capital, is is super important, right? Because most people will not be able to start their company unless they say yeah. a ton of money. I don't really know anything that. about sourcing or product development, um, just like on your end. But I can tell you, obviously, starting content creation like based on a blog is super cheap because hosting is dirt cheap. You can get shared hosting for like 5 bucks, 10 bucks a month maybe. Let's say your hosting overall with a website domain is like 100 bucks a year. The rest is just your time and, and putting in the effort to... You know, build up the blog and build up your content. Like, it's it's dirt cheap, honestly, but it can grow into something amazing. Listen, sourcing is also cheap. Like for me, our business is, is going to be there's so many things that we want to do and so many things that we want to expand into. And then once you start to have stuff like the way we do right now, you have to pay people. Um, that just means that you're more efficient terms of like let's say if a company reaches out to us and they want us to create a sourcing report if i was doing it by myself it might take longer than if i you know asked one of my chinese staff members to call some factories and reach out and get information but like initially 
all you need to do is, you know, have some on the ground experience, have an idea of how to navigate factories, know what to look for, and then put your name out there, get a client. You don't need an office. You just need a computer. Get a client, and then you know, once you sign a contract with the client and get paid, you're basically in business. Mm-hmm. Like the overhead is very, very little. Unless you're developing the product yourself, if you're the sourcing agent, you don't have to have an office. You don't have to have capital. You just need to sign a client and then you know get get to work. I mean, so and have an internet connection and a and a laptop and a VPN, which is not that expensive. Yeah, yeah get that VPN, so, especially in China. Yeah, man. I think uh, I think we covered it all. It's like, I mean, we could go on talking for days, but in terms of just how to get to China, how to get to Southeast Asia, a different perspective on doing business here, I, I think we, we, we covered most of it. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we didn't we didn't cover? Um, you know, honestly, this sounds a bit airy fairy, but you really have to have this belief in your mind that you will succeed and, and can create a business and. It's. I think it's a bit challenging sometimes to cultivate that because there's going to be. If you're in an environment where there's a lot of people just doing nine to five and that's all they think of, and when you say I want to move to Asia, people are like, "Why? You know, it's it's dangerous there and all this type of stuff." You have to have this belief in your mind that you want to be successful. You can be. There are resources out there. There are people who have done it. And um, Asia is not super dangerous, by the way. It's it's very nice, also. Um, but like. You have to have this unless you're in, unless you're in Bangkok. Yeah, well, recently, obviously, and again, the sad thing is, I was in Bangkok two weeks two weeks before that that bomb went off. But anyways, like when I was moving to Vietnam, my dad's like, "Oh, be careful because of this and this," and and uh, Vietnamese people are very nice. Anyways, the point is to have that belief and and know you can get the resources, and then just be willing to put in the time to do it. Because if you put in the time and you're patient, you will be successful. Like. There's all this crap I can quote about, you know, success mindset and like failures are not failures and this stuff. But honestly, if you're patient enough and you keep pushing, like you will be successful at your business. You will succeed and it's just you have to believe you can do it and then just keep going. Yeah, man, I, I second that for sure. Uh, a lot of people have conceptions of, you know, what, what uh, the unknown, you know, they, they 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 see what they see on the news and they see stuff in movies and then they assume that that's real life. You you really need to just come here and, and experience things for yourself, uh, or at least talk to people who have an open mind who have been there before. You know, that's that's the best way you could do it to get an accurate idea of what's going on. So you know, just don't be scared. You know, buy a ticket, take a ride. Yeah, see buy a ticket. See the flip side. Yeah, as our friend says, <laughs> buy a ticket, take a ride. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to podcast if you're wondering where michael is mike is like china mike is, is china mike man he's, he's managing some basketball players he's, <laughs> he's running around china china uh, mike he'll, he'll be back soon don't worry um and of course you want to reach out to us you can find us at sourcefindasia.com that's s-o-u-r-c-e-f-i-n-d.com um what else we have facebook source find asia and uh twitter at source find asia and yeah, uh, and as well, Noam, Noam has his blog. That's lightwayofthinking.com. Mastery of the Mind is his book. You need to read that. Change, uh, stop procrastinating. <laughs> get over your anxiety. Become a master of your mind. <laughs> All right. Yeah. See you guys. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. Running through the six with my walls. Count money, you know how it goes.
Pray to real live forever, man. Pray the fakes get exposed. I want that Ferrari, then I swear. I want that Bugatti just to hurt. I ain't rock my jury, that's on purpose. Niggas want my spot.